0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to big episode number 75 of the fourth season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people of the Roto Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy excellence, glory, etc., so on, so forth. We're going to be your lead blocker, and we're starting. We started it like the day after the Super Bowl, but we're still going hard. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be your lead blocker today, trying to bring down whatever fantasy championship is on the line in your league, whether you're with your buddies or some dudes at work or some jackasses on the internet that you've never met. We're the answer mm-hmm. to all your problems. We're the cure for what ails you. I, of course, am not the Truth Jones. With me, as always—well, not as always—I haven't been here for a while. But with me, mm-hmm. uh, like he has been a bunch of times in the past, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. How you doing, Wolf?
1: Hey, I'm fantastic, man. I know it's been way too long. I've missed going with you. I never thought I'd say those words, but I have missed it for sure. Thrilled to be back talking about the draft. Finally, this is the time of the year. And as much as we preach it to a stock market, and as much value as we say there is to tracking how people are going up and down, and I do firmly believe that. Finally, after the draft, we can be confident and just take a pause and say these rankings are actually firm until you know this August comes around and the training camp hits and preseason hits. Of course, they're going to be up and down quite a bit from there. But for now, it's just nice to take a breather and know we got a set ranking list here and we can start digging into it. Uh, Of course, tonight we're going to do just the rookies, but I'm thrilled to be back, thrilled to be going again and somehow excited to see you. I didn't believe I would be. (laughs) I appreciate
0: the compliments, both backhanded and forehanded. So thank you very much Mm -hmm. for that. I had a pretty wild weekend or not wild per se, but pretty um pretty fun uh eventful weekend i don't know have you ever heard of this show game of thrones
1: uh is, is that on like what pbs it's on I, like I'm cinemax sure. oh okay skinamax okay
0: anyway uh all bullshit aside so saturday i saw avengers I endgame avengers endgame and then sunday i followed oh. that up with uh with uh game of thrones so i'm i'm pretty fired up pretty happy uh and now now falling into the monday podcast routine again uh did you see thrones last night I know it's a dumb I, question.
1: Of course, I saw Thrones last night. Yeah, I heard a lot of people, a lot of psychos, like you did that whole End Game and uh, then Thrones. Yeah. You must. Are you just like drained to the max at this point?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was worth it's, it though. I mean, I uh, yeah, I'm, they were both phenomenally good. And I got, yeah, I, I haven't. No I didn't
1: see the end game yet, but I did see Thrones, which I, I did enjoy thoroughly. Uh, but the, the you know the first forty five minutes being like darkness, and I get it was the too intended dark, effect. Right? It's like I you know I want to see some head smashing. I want to see all that good stuff we've come to love. I get the intended effect to put you right into the chaos and not know what's going on. But at a certain point, yeah, it but got I want to know what's going on. I, Right, exactly. So I mean, was it a fun episode of course. Yeah, it was I great. thought we actually got off pretty late on the death load. I thought they were going to so, kill off someone more important I, than say Jorah. I would I would say battle of the bastards hard home. There there's definitely a few battles I'd have above this one as entertaining as it was.
0: I would Yeah, I don't think you're wrong on that. I mean, and I I we have to be careful cuz we're about to dive into like a 35 minute thrones conversation. i right, is, is supposed go. to be redrafting. I'll just say podcast. that as far as getting off easy on the death toll, I think six people that were like maybe significant people died. Um, and I was talking to my wife about it last night and it's like, with the exception of one person that I thought was going to die and didn't, um, I would have nailed literally every one of the deaths. I would have said yeah. this guy, this guy, this guy, it's like, they're going from the bottom of their death chart. They're mm-hmm. like, Oh, uh, Baric. Oh, the, the guy, Ed, that took over the night watch. And I was like, yeah, these guys are all doomed. Like they're they're They all have names. Like we know who they are, but none of us give a shit about them. And so they're all dead. Um, exactly. And so I, I nailed all of those. I thought Grey Worm was a goner. Um, I did too. which, which, yeah, would, have really, with, which would have been fine. Which would have been fine with me. Uh, yeah. But anyway, okay. he, somehow he survived. All right, so we have a. I have a lot that I want to talk to you about uh, on Thrones, but we got to get into this, or else there's no way we're going to get done with this within the allotted time. Um, we're going to be talking fantasy football rookie rankings 2019, of course, and this is redraft rankings. These are these guys' value for the 2019 2019 season, not dynasty leagues. Obviously, that changes everything. You know, if you're if you're looking long term, uh, that's a completely different ball game. We're talking about if you're drafting a league for 2019, where these guys are going to go. The Wolf has made his rankings, of course, because that's what he does. We're going to go down the top 10 guys on the list. Now, there's more guys than this, obviously. Uh, we have 20, maybe even more than that. I mean, we have every guy like included on the list and stuff. You can obviously find that stuff at the website. But we're going to do the top 10 on the podcast today. This is actually going to be a really informative podcast for me because the Wolf dives a lot deeper into the draft than I do. Like, I know who a lot of these guys are, I know a little bit about them. But, uh, you know, given the guys that the Wolf has been talking to and couple that with his own knowledge on stuff like this, I'm going to learn a lot. And this is hopefully going to be my leg up. Uh, Hopefully, this is going to act as my lead blocker for fantasy glory uh, in the upcoming Mm -hmm. season because I've been struggling a little bit lately. So anyway, uh, let's get into this. You want to talk real quick about some of the other stuff you've got coming up uh, before we get into this, because you got a couple other pods that you're that you've been, uh, you know maybe cheating on me with a little bit? But anyway,
1: <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I mean, you are still, every time I see you, it's nice to come back to daddy in my, sure, in my sure. home sure. over here. But yeah, no, I've got some really exciting interviews lined up for this week. And I know, I love to get the interviews in with you, but I know the dad life sometimes, you know, the butterfly farm and things like that oh, can, sure. can get in the way at times. I know you've probably been frequenting that lately. Uh, but we've got some Constantly. fantastic ones lined up. we got our boy Trevor Sikama. He probably heard his draft preview. He's, he's generous enough to join us now for a draft Draft breakdown. It's great to hear a preview and and get a painting of all the prospects you're going to hear about. But it's way more valuable to then break down when they're in their actual homes and right. we know the offense they're in, their fits and the coaches. It just makes it that much more valuable. So I'm thrilled that he's going to join us. I'm going to be interviewing him tomorrow at 3 30 So that should be up maybe Wednesday or so. I got Drew Hollingshead. If you missed that first air raid preview, ffbdpod.com/slash sixty eight. We'll show you the first. You know where we kind of just painted the overall picture. But now that we and we're gonna talk about a lot of these guys in a few minutes but we have you know Kyler Murray going there and all these receivers they took three receivers in the draft so it's clear they are all in on this air raid offense they've put the talent they want there so Hollingshead's coming back in to explain you know how is Hakeem Butler how is Andy Isabella gonna mix with Larry Fitzgerald and I think I have five receivers on the field and all that great stuff he's back he's a he coaches under Mike Leach so he's as close to an air raid guru as you're gonna find he coached under he actually played under Kingsbury so he's he knows Cliff as good as anybody. Thrilled to have him back on. And our boy Grant Cohen's coming on later in the week. So we're just trying to get you all the draft coverage. That's the 49ers breakdown for Cohen. They took a bunch of interesting receivers. You got Garoppolo coming back to help. Just needless to say, the lead blocks are going to be coming fast and furious from now until draft day, trying to get at least two to three interviews a week, like we are now. This, of course, is to focus on the draft, but uh me and you will, of course, be doing at least one standalone, if not right. two a week. This as well. week. Just, this week we know we're sure. gonna. Have- I two, attention.
0: but generally speaking, yes. The, all you truth fans out there, I'm talking all four of you, um, I, I'll, I'll still be around. Uh, you'll what, you'll what be I'm catching me once, it's... maybe twice a week.
1: what I'm thrilled about with you is we started to brainstorm a little bit and just to give them a little sneak peek of what we've been scheming behind the scenes is uh, we kind of want to get like a weekly culture style podcast where you know maybe it's top five side bets of the week and we pick you know user submitted trash talk or whatever whatnot there's just so much great stuff about fantasy maybe we make Game of Thrones rankings just a little bit more flexibility not so much to inform you but to entertain you I think you're gonna I mean you already love that stuff and we've already come up with some amazing lists together so to have like a standalone style i'm excited to do with you so Sweet. hopefully we can get those started soon too yeah that'd be fun have you been watching survivor oh of course all all right. this is we'll a great season we'll talk about that a little Are bit later too yeah, i always survivor. wish i was uh, doing
0: write-ups on that anyway uh, all right, let's get into the rookies because there's a lot of non-football stuff to talk about but we know that at least most of you uh tuned in for the football stuff so anyway uh cool. tier number one of our 2019 rookies redraft settings once again we got uh running back josh jacobs now, we've the Wolf has him 36 overall on the big board and the running back 19. Now, we're not going to really get too much. You know, usually we like to tout... Uh, our differences with the ECR stuff like that. Not really going to be doing this on this pod. The, the numbers are way, way, way skewed. The, you know, yeah. Just to give you an example on this one, the Wolf's 153 spots higher than the ECR on this guy. Um, that stuff will will likely even out a little bit. We might still be higher on him than the so-called experts. But right now, that's where we're at. We're, we're not going to disregard those. So I'm not going to be throwing the ECR at, at you every. Uh, for every guy or really for any other guys after this one 36 overall 19th running back that's really that's quite a bit of respect for a guy that's just coming
1: out right Absolutely. I mean, this is no Saquon Barkley of last year. We had him top five overall, top four in our running backs. But it is a similar case where this guy was consensus number one running back across all draft guides that you'd read. All the industry respected this guy more than any other rookie. And the the reasons are very clear if you watch his tape. His vision's unbelievable. He doesn't have incredible long speed, ran a four five two forty. But overall, he just finds the hole so well. Just very smooth as a runner. Great after contact. Good balance strong receiver just one of those typical three down style guys but wasn't actually used to that fullest capacity at Alabama splitting time with Damian Harris so that could be seen as that plus or minus his tread is a little bit lighter on his tires but then he also hasn't proven he can handle that full 25 30 carries a game but right after the draft the Raiders came out and said we envision him in a three down every down workhorse role Jacobs is built for it he's strong enough he's big enough to handle that in my opinion I just Think he hasn't fully got it. Sickamo, when we had him on last week, said this guy is well built and well suited skill set wise for an every down rule. And where better to get it than the Raiders? They have what, Isaiah Crowell and Jalen Richard at the top of the depth chart? That's right. So it was wide open for the take. And the only depth chart that was more open, in my opinion, was the Bucks, And they didn't end up doing anything. That's a whole other episode where we'll break down Trevor veterans Sikama together. should some have other some time. thoughts on that. He's a Bucks guy, right? Oh, yeah. He he, he predicted that. He said they're not going to draft a running back. Just wait and see. And I was like, I don't agree with you. They, they have Peyton Barber. He goes, they love him. I'm telling you. And, and Peyton, Peyton Barber fucked t- me Peyton, yeah. royally
0: last year. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about Peyton Barber.
1: Uh, he's disgusting, but he's the man at the top of the depth chart. But this is about Josh Jacobs, nonetheless. Sure. And, and to put it short, again, it's the, the perfect meeting of one of the most open backfields the and the number one running back talent about to see workhorse duties. So that's, again, with fantasy, you talk about impact with rookies. It's almost always the running back position. And Josh Jacobs is by far the clearest-cut top talent, seeing the top volume at the that position i don't see any reason why he wouldn't be a very reliable rb2 with that clear cut top 10 upside as well
0: all right another running back that you really like and a lot of people really oh, like yeah. uh you know so this guy the bears traded up with the patriots um mm-hmm. and they got david montgomery who you actually have 45 overall and is your running back number 23 right now so really not that far behind jacobs at all what are the things that like jump out of you at this guy with this yeah
1: I I absolutely love this guy Uh, in terms of just his ability his moniker is just breaking tackles he set pro football Focus's records uh, in terms of a hundred forced missed tackles this year in college football he's running behind a line where he had to do a ton of work and work he did he churns he's just so good at that initial contact that whether it's a spin move whether it's a juke he knows right when it's about to hit and he gets out of it so well and then he breaks it if they do get their arms around him very elusive inside the hole and then outside the hole as well so I love that about him, and I think it makes him a perfect fit for Matt Nagy. I trust Matt Nagy a lot when it comes to running backs. This is the guy that took Kareem Hunt in the third round just a couple years ago, and uncoincidentally, almost every draft pundit is comparing uh, this guy, David Montgomery, to Kareem Hunt, which Matt Nagy himself comes out after they ask him about that at a press conference and says, yeah, I see the similarities. They both run angry. They're both elusive in the hole. They both have strong hands. I see why you would do that, but this is still his own style of runner, is what Nagy said about it and then he also made sure to say that it's the whole package three down guy he has the hands he's got everything we're looking for and that makes our offense just so much better when we can have that a cool stat or interesting stat I found was it, Matt Niggie's offense is all predicated on being unpredictable and not having to substitute and all that that's why it's so effective when he had a Kareem Hunt style guy but last year you get Jordan Howard a plotter just uh, disgusting limited skill set I hate that guy he actually fucked my fantasy season in a couple leagues uh, but when he was in the team ran over 55 percent of the time so very predictable whereas it was only 37 percent when they had Tariq Cohen in. so it was the second highest run rate when Howard was in the field fourth lowest when Tariq Cohen is that's the opposite of unpredictable but David Montgomery with that three down skill set that perfect fit for the inside zone that Nagy likes to run you're going to get three down working and what should be one of the top 10 offenses in the league I love David Montgomery what he's bringing to the table here
0: all right, we're about to do a total suckfest here on tier two because I know that you know I haven't even talked to you, but I'm sure you just uh, love I'm yes. sure you just love this guy so much. Um, oh, I do. Nikhil Harry is that how it's pronounced? Nikhil. It is
1: pronounced right. correctly. Yes. Uh, Don't dare you you mess
0: up his name. Well, no, it, 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 it's pronounced the way it looks. Uh, 87 <laughs> overall wide receiver, 36. You know, obviously the Patriots. I mean, they seem to figure things out even when they have obvious shortcomings in their uh, lineup. But, you know, they they had a huge gaping hole at receiver. They Mm -hmm. lost Gronk. I mean, there's still some people that hope that we'll see Gronk again. But he's not on the roster. He's not going to be there opening day. He's not going to start. He's officially retired. And this guy at Arizona State uh, was turning some heads. The Patriots picked him with the last pick in the first round.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned everything that was important there, the gaping opportunity with Hogan gone, with obviously Gronk gone. They had 160 targets up for grabs. That was ninth most in the league in 1771 air yards, the sixth most in the league. So tons of open aerial pie, as we like to call it. Oh, yeah. And, it's and the best and kind of aerial a, pie. Uh, and it's delicious when it's coming from Tom Brady. It's a delicious aerial pie. When it's coming from a great creative schemer like Josh McDaniels, you know it's a delicious aerial pie. And this is the first time in the Bill Belichick era that a team has drafted a uh, wide receiver in the first round for the Patriots. If there's been one, you know, conception about the Patriots, it's that they suck at hitting receivers. But it's always because Belichick's trying to find that gem in the rough, and he finds an Edelman, uh, and then he busts on ten others type of guy. But he hasn't just gone out and been like, "This is my guy. I'm not." trading out of my pick I'm taking him this is Nikhil Harry they were getting offers uh, tons of offers to get that 32nd pick because when you draft in the first round you get that fifth cost controlled option for a first round which you don't get beyond that so it makes it that much more valuable to have a first round pick because of that control in the contract situation uh, and still Belichick didn't trade out so it just tells you how highly they think of this guy and it's easy to see what they love I mean six threes 230 pounds runs a four five three so you just if you want to smash a a wide receiver on a board and just say, what's the prototypical build? That's Nikhil Harry. And he can go up and get the ball. He's got great verticality, great just jump ball. Like, that's my ball. I'm going to go get it type of mentality. Very competitive. Loves the game. Uh, has all those intangibles. He already said, I'll play special teams. I don't care. I just want this team to win. I don't care how much time I see as long as I'm helping the team. So he's got that Patriots mindset down, which is, of course, as important as anything to avoid the doghouse. But what I really love about this guy is despite that size, Despite that verticality, he has just unbelievable run-after-the-catch ability and very nimble feet, so he's you can move him in the slot and put him in a big one. So you move him all over the place. Big bodied slot guy catches it and just rips through bricks, tackles. Uh, He's going to be like a bigger Julian Edelman in a way. So I can't wait to see what this guy does. They haven't had a talent like that since Randy Moss in terms of being able to go up and get the ball. But then you combine what they also love to do with after the catch. I'm thrilled for Nikhil Harry. And it went from Patriots having nobody at receiver to adding a huge talent. And then if you get Josh Gordon back at some point, my good God, you have Edelman and these two guys on the outside, uh, I went from being very depressed about my Patriots receiving court to just this one guy really changes my opinion. They just got to build that chemistry. Complex playbook, got to build the chemistry, but there's a lot to love about this landing spot. Who's
0: Nikhil Harry remind you the most of of all the receivers that, that you know of, say, past or present? I mean, like, you know, who's who's a guy that just jumps at it? You said bigger slot guy. Obviously, it's not Edelman. He's a, he's a bigger, more athletic version of that. Who's he remind you I, of, putting you on the spot?
1: It's... It is on the spot a little bit, but it kind of reminds me of Andre Johnson in a way. The way he just fights for the ball, but also can just shake free at the line so well and when he has it in his hands. Similar to Larry Fitz a little bit in that sense when they move Larry Fitz to the slot uh when Bruce Arians made that move. A lot of that type of big bodied guy that can get off easily. Like a slot and do a Dez, kind of damage.
0: like a slot des Bryant when he was li- but when a he, lot when of he comparisons still good.
1: Yeah. There was a lot of comparisons drawn after the draft to Des Bryant because of his ability to fight for jump balls and to Harry okay. and all that. So a lot of that was going on, but I see more what they're going to capitalize on would be that running after the catch, he's just a mm. beast, a, a freaking horse when okay. the ball is in his hands. So that's that's more of his strength, in my opinion.
0: All right. Well, those are all very flattering comparisons. So, I mean, if you're even partially or close to right on those <laughs> things, that's good for that, you. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray, yeah. number four on our list. Obviously, quarterback drafted number one overall by Arizona. Uh, you got him as your quarterback 13. Now, I just want to say this. All right, a couple things. I have a couple comments. Obviously, I, I know more about this guy than a lot of the other guys because he just got so much media coverage. He's the number one guy. So two, mm-hmm. two comments I have. First of all, Arizona, I believe as of a few days ago, Traded Josh Rosen for like what, a sixth round pick to the to the Dolphins, something like that? I
1: think it was like a third rounder, yeah. They didn't get a ton of value. Uh, I don't think it, it was a way. third rounder. I think it was I,
0: I, I think it was lower than that. I, I No it was now like, I wanna well, know. I
1: would say fifty eight. I wanna say it was fifty eight off like a late second, early third. I'm pretty sure. They oh, got like maybe a fifth rounder and wrong. a late yeah, second. Yeah, maybe
0: maybe that's what I'm getting wrong. So anyway, they traded The 10th pick for, like, the 58th pick in the span of one year. Okay, so I guess that's the point I was making. First of all, like, I'm just rolling my eyes right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on. Second of all, and I'm not a gigantic, like, Murray fanboy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like him. I enjoy watching him play. But I do just want to point out the NFC West quarterback situation right now. It's going to be Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, jimmy g and jared goff which is a interesting pretty exciting division young
1: upstart i mean that's a pretty
0: pretty exciting division like i mean that that's a lot of must i mean you know goff i don't really look at him oh that's must see tv but the rams certainly are and so uh you know i don't know i'm very interested in all the nfc west teams all of a sudden which is kind of a weird thing
1: I know I'm especially intrigued by Kyler Murray uh, and and I get what you're saying yeah they drafted one quarterback and then it was 10th pick and then they invest the first overall pick it certainly is not good capital management but I applaud the team if for he's not the right guy then they should do if, it I mean I agree
0: exactly, with exactly
1: exactly if you didn't think Rosen was the fit for what they're trying to do with Kingsbury if you're that all in on this new head coach as they are then you gotta let him get his guy and see what he can do so yes I, I totally agree it's poor management especially when they trade up for Rose and, and give up all that but if they knew he wasn't the guy he wasn't going to give them the best chance to do what they want to do on the field then I'm okay with the move and I think Kyler Murray is going to come in and and uh, we'll see he's got every chance to succeed because he's going into a similar air raid system to what he operated in college, uh, college under Lincoln Riley in which he thrived 4,361 passing yards 42 TDs and very sound decision making only 7 interceptions plus 1,000 rushing yards and 12 rushing TDs too so the guy can get it done with his arm. He's a baseball player. We all know he got drafted in the first round as a baseball player, so you know he's got the arm. He can hit every single layer of the field with accuracy, with strength. Uh, he can move in the pocket, very dangerous. can throw the ball on the run quite well, which he's going to need to do because that offensive line is yeah, horrendous. That's the one real question of right now. Is, oh, it's god-awful. Uh, but their coach did say, to his credit, uh, Lincoln Riley said, there's nobody as good at avoiding contact as Kyler Murray. He knows when to get down. He's not going to leave himself <laughs> Out there to get crushed every play. He's tiny. If he gets killed, he's not gonna be bouncing back up. So there is that that worry it might be RG3 where he runs too much and gets killed. I think this is a different beast that is smarter about his body, knows how to protect himself. He's always plays at this side, so he knows how to play. And that was his quote. He's like, Yeah, everyone's acting like I haven't been 5'9 my whole life. Like I know how to play quarterback at 5'9 and electrifying talent-wise. And so I just liked him right from the start when they draft him, but then they go and draft three more receivers over the next two days of the draft including Andy Isabella runs a 4-3 just ridiculous long speed to go with some of the best quicks he's so compared to you know Wes Welker and Danny Amendola but those guys ran four sixes those guys were a little bit slow when you come to the long speed Andy Isabella can stretch you vertically and then destroy you on the inside as well so that's a dangerous weapon for an air raid attack you got Hakeem Butler 6 5 four, eight, 40 on the outside streaking to go with Christian Kirk and Larry Fitz this goes from one of the worst receiving cores in the league to one of the most intriguing especially again what is Kingsbury going to do with all these guys I can't wait to talk with Hollingshead I'll have a better answer for you if you tune into the next episode but me personally I think just between the weapons between the scheme and then the individual talent there's no reason not to love what Murray's going to bring to the table he's the kind of that ideal guy you get Phillip Rivers at 12 your quarterback 12 you take him you got your nice floor then get some upside go with Kyler Murray because he's going to bring a ton of it especially because that defense probably will suck and you alluded to the divisions very exciting lots of intriguing talent all over the place so i'm seeing some shootouts coming from the desert i think kyler murray's gonna ball out fantasy wise
0: two things first of all my next door neighbor knows andy isabella really well
1: really um, yeah he's, he's like
0: uh he's some big shot athletic director type he's not the athletic director but he's like Dude, some senior the or something for, for, the for, for umass Um, he he presented, he presented some award to Andy Isabella at at the UMass athletic thing like a week ago or something.
1: That's amazing.
0: Anyway, uh, that's one thing. Second thing is I really thought the Patriots were going to maybe go get Josh Rosen. And I, by the way,
1: thought that that would have just been a devastatingly good move. Um, right. Cost controlled contract the next four years. You could learn a couple years under the goat. Uh, I, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't hate it. And I don't love Josh yeah. Rosen. But that I type think of he would have just would been liking. such
0: a great pickup for so cheap. Yeah. And I, look, I'm sure they'll figure something else out. But like I was I was actually genuinely concerned that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Number five. Uh, DK Metcalf, 88th overall, wide receiver number 37. Uh, Seahawks actually traded up with the Patriots. Patriots love having people trade up with them. They just love it. They get off Belichick's just sitting there like, yeah, when someone's like, hey, man, we'd like your pick. We'd like uh, to trade up to get your pick. Anyway, they traded up with the Patriots to get Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf with the number 64 overall pick in the draft.
1: Sell me on this guy. I mean, it's T.K. Metcalf. I just have to show you a picture of him and you'll be sold. I'm sure you've seen those just shirtless pictures where sure. he looks like, I, I mean, carved out of granite style guy. And it, it translates into speed. It translates into verticality. Just freakish all around for his size. A big guy at 228, 6'3", blazes a 4'3", 340, leads the combine in verticality, bench presses 27, so he's strong as all hell. Athletic as all hell. So everything in terms of just a physical specimen I don't have to sell you on the guy is an absolute monster. And what he does, he does very well, which is run, go routes, jump up over people and catch the ball. And if you get him the ball on a screen, he can rip through defenders. Mm-hmm. What he sucks at though. He's, you know, it's equally glaring as his strengths are, are his weaknesses. His cone drills were horrendous because this guy is not very shifty and as a receiver, you kind of need shiftiness at least most of the time. But when you land in Seattle, I couldn't have picked a more perfect spot for DK Metcalf to go because they don't run a very complex passing game they run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action. Let's bomb it down to Tyler Lockett, run the ball, run the ball. Let's bomb the, let's take a bomb down to David Moore. But now you're taking David Moore out of the equation who made tons of big plays when you got Russell Wilson yeah. dropping the ball exactly where he wants to. Uh, we saw David Moore having these huge touchdown outings. You put DK Metcalf. a, a thousand times the athlete of a David Moore into that system he's going to be the perfect fit so even if I don't love this guy and, and know he's raw around the edges as a holistic receiver he's got plenty of time to develop that game and he landed in the perfect system where he can still have that day one impact while he's refining his skill set I love the fit to perfection I, we had Sycamon. on you would have love the court I don't know if you, you had uh, heard the interview yet but I go Are you drinking the Kool-Aid on this guy he seems like he doesn't have all the traits you'd want out of a receiver you drinking the Kool-Aid and he goes I'm not I'm not just drinking the coolant. I'm dumping the entire cooler all over my face, I love him, so, and that's a guy I trust, I love as I know, it's great, he got so into it, uh, I love Sikama's evaluation, so I'm excited to hear what he has to say about Metcalf landing in Seattle, because me personally, I think it's the perfect spot, we'll see if he agrees, uh, I, I was shocked that he fell as far as he did to 64 overall, there's some rumblings he might go toward the top of the first round, he falls to the end of the, the second, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder, and that's the way he plays, I think Pete Carroll will kind of that as well, the psychology of the situation. So everything about the fit to me is perfect. I absolutely love this one.
0: Um, yeah, and so one other thing about about that whole thing is we got. I mean, we got a guy that like he's one of the people that I had heard of because I mean, you know, your top offensive guys, even if they're not going to go super high in the draft, like that. Those are the type of guys that people like me hear about. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you, I don't know if you mentioned this when you were just talking. Maybe I didn't hear you say. it I mean, I, I saw a rumor or I heard a rumor recently. Baldwin may be done.
1: I know. I was going to, I had that as the notes to talk about, but we had so many rookie things to get through. We weren't going to get to it, but no, yeah. No, but I mean, I feel a, like
0: that's relevant in, in the context a hundred, of, of this. A hundred
1: percent. We should have mentioned that because yeah, I mean, if Baldwin is done, there's a gaping number two target. The, Tyler Lockett will kind of slide into that number one role and I'm sure he's going to dominate in it. Tyler Lockett I love as a player, but yeah, I mean the, this is a he- solid, I mean, it's a low volume aerial pie because they don't throw a ton. They were the, the most run heavy team in the league outside of the Ravens once Lamar Jackson took over, so they love to pound the rock, but when they do throw it, they take deep shot after deep shot, and Russell Wilson is so efficient in the deep passing game. It's still a delicious, even if it's a small aerial pie, it's really just, it's, you yeah, pictures like a good. tiny it's pie like it's dense filling. It's like the, the ones filling. they sell at like Whole Foods yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a nice a aerial pie, and, and Metcalf fits into that aerial pie, I think, especially if you remove a huge mouth like Doug Baldwin. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's very important to mention that these targets are very vacated if he He's done, and it sounds like he's played his last down, which is crazy to me. And I love Doug Ball. Yeah, good player. Um,
0: yeah. All right, number six, and it was a great name, Nicole Hardman. Or Hardman is probably how he goes, but we're going to call him Hardman. Uh, <laughs> Hardman. Wide receiver, 38, 92 overall. The Chiefs traded up with the Rams. They got the Georgia wide receiver with the number 56 overall pick in the draft. What do you think? I I mean, mean, obviously, the Chiefs have got glaring issues potentially at wide receiver. We don't need to get into the whole Tyreek Hill thing right now. We will certainly talk about that on the pod at some point. I have thought. I have I'm just going oh, we,
1: to we both have thoughts and we'll get to that maybe next episode when some more veteran focused things. Okay. Yeah, there's tons of implications. We could do a whole podcast on Tyree kill and what that's going to mean. Um, but then you, you look at who they go and draft. They clearly are not expecting Tyree kill back because they draft what everyone said was the Tyree kill clone of this draft. He had four. Four three three track, all-star style speed, smaller guy. So, I mean, it's going to be very easy to pigeonhole this guy into the Tyree Kill role, and he'll play that role. Now, if he'll play that role as well as Tyree Kill, probably not. Very few as Tyree, but he has this stamina more than anybody in history. Uh, so, no, is he Tyree Kill? No. Uh, No, but he offers all the same athleticism, playing in the same system, playing with the same quarterback. So could this guy still have a major year one impact? Absolutely. Uh, So I love this guy a lot. I mean, number six on the rookie rankings is no joke. He's in my top hundred overall, my wide receiver 38. I could see him being one of those flexes that... you hit it at the right time and you get your 30 type points any, any piece of the chiefs offense is going to be amazing. Uh, and you know, you got Sammy Watkins, one of the most injury prone receivers as the only guy ahead of this guy potentially for the number one role. So I, between, I didn't even think of that. And as I'm talking, I'm thinking this is a handcuff with benefits at receiver in the most explosive offense in the league. So they're just from his own perspective and skill set. I love it. And then the fact that you have that benefit if Sammy Watkins, if I should say when Sammy Watkins goes down, then this guy ascends to Mahomes' his favorite target outside of Travis Kelsey. I get that, but I'm talking about receivers. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, there's just so much upside to this guy. Uh, so explosive, so fast, and just the perfect landing spot for him. So McCole Hardman. Very solid, hard man. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's man. what you want to call him. Yeah, that is what I is want, want to call Be him. a great fantasy bar. I
0: mean, yeah. you remember infamously, or famously, but now infamously when when I picked Tyree Hill to outscore ODB, and I know, um, and I mean, you know, now I'm like, oh god, I don't, even want anything to do with this guy now. But I mean, that was <laughs> a commentary on being in the Chiefs' offense as well as being just an amazing athlete. And, you know, and it came through, mm-hmm. and he had a great season, again, and was, like, amazing. And so, I mean, I look at this guy who I don't know very much about, but I look at what's open in the Chiefs offense. I look at Mahomes with another year under his belt, and I think to myself, you know, this guy might be undervalued even on your chart, even though I'm sure you have him mm-hmm. higher than a lot of the experts. Oh, I'm going to have to do a little more research so I can talk about it a little more confidently, but I see potential dollar signs there. Number Absolutely. seven, running back, Miles Sanders, 71 overall, 30th RB on your board. The Eagles took the Penn State running back with a 53rd pick overall in the draft. Uh, he's not a huge guy. I mean, I don't know. He's like a stocky build. He's he's 5'11", what, 210, something like that?
1: Yeah, right uh, around there. Yeah, yeah.
0: and um, I remember, I, I think, I'm trying to remember because I actually, because I watched some Penn State, I think he started like a year for the Lions.
1: Yeah, because he's behind Saquon Barkley the right. last I mean, couple uh, of years, so he only had that one year. right? That's I can see why he'd be behind someone if it's Saquon Barkley, but he had himself quite the first year of starting. 1,274 yards and 9 TDs on the ground. 24 receptions, so a decent receiver. No Saquon by any means, but he can get it done. Uh, and so the only reason this guy is as low as he is is because it's the Eagles, and it's been such a committee-heavy yeah. system under Doug Peterson. He's always used multiple backs, but then you look and you're like, well, then if they're going to do a a committee why would they trade up to go get Miles Sanders. Why would they trade for Jordan Howard and then still trade up to go get this guy if they're not envisioning a significant role for him? And then you come and look at some of the quotes afterwards, and it's Howie Roseman who's been there for a while, and he says, you know, this guy was a coaching staff favorite, a scouting favorite, a front office favorite. We think he's special talent and a perfect fit for the offense. We haven't had a running back like this in years. And then you're like, okay, so it's been years since you've had a productive running back because all you do is use committees, but maybe you haven't had the right talent to actually get that every down style role. And Peterson did come from Andy Reid's philosophy where he rides workhorses. He had those Jamal Charles years there. So maybe this is the right guy to crack that code we'll see as the summer develops because they did trade for Jordan Howard like we mentioned they have Corey Clement and all those other guys so it could be a shitty awful committee style stable but they love this guy they clearly wanted him and they went out and got him so maybe just maybe this is a meeting of talent that finally will give him a three down course that they actually truly wanted but I'm still a little skeeved and sketched out because of Peterson's past so that's why I don't have him a little bit higher and a lot of people are loving this fit and they're saying this is going to be perfect uh, in terms of redraft though I'm just a little bit more down on the consensus until I know a little bit more how this workload's going to divide up
0: alright this takes us to tier 3 actually number 8 on your rookie list Daryl Henderson 44th running back taken, 112 overall Rams trading up with the Bucks to get him this guy played for Memphis number 70 pick overall in the draft what do you think of mm-hmm. this guy why should we care
1: yeah, so uh, 112 on my big board. I, I consider him kind of that ultimate handcuff with benefits because it's Todd Gurley's backup and what offense is more productive than the Rams. They use the running back religiously. The whole goal of the offense is quote unquote merging the passing games and the run games and of course that's established through play action, through peppering the running back with screens, through tons and tons of carries to establish that backfield presence. So if Todd Gurley goes down this guy's going to get the most prime of situations for a running Running back And even if not, you saw what they were doing with C.J. Anderson at the end of the year. Uh, it became kind of a one-two punch. And they've alluded to the fact that they have their Batman and Gurley, but they want a Robin. So it seems like we're going to get, it probably won't be that C.J. Anderson almost dominating the carry style thing here, but you'll get a little bit of standalone value plus that ultimate handcuff value. Daryl Henderson's an extremely explosive guy, ran a 4-4-9 as a speedster, but he breaks tackles like nobody's business. He averaged 8.5. 2 yards per carry 6.2 yards after contact so he's great at breaking it and just continuing to move his feet incredibly explosive solid receiver so if and when he were to start he would be an immediate top five or six running back week in and week out as the lead guy and we know Gurley, the knee is definitely questionable as terms that there's rumors you might need stem cell treatment there's rumors there might be arthritis in there uh why arthritis is the big rumor Right. So why would the Rams who were very limited entering the draft in terms of capital still use multiple picks to trade up and go get this guy if he was just a mere insurance policy? So to me, very explosive talent in an amazing situation that obviously has a humongous roadblock in the number 1 player in fantasy for back-to-back years and Todd Gurley, but that roadblock seems to be withering more and more by yeah, the day. It's such uh, upside
0: though. I mean just such. Oh, yeah. a, this is like the ultimate a,
1: stash. The ultimate yeah. stash.
0: Right. Paris Campbell, 9th pick, 113 overall, wide receiver, 44. This is the Ohio State wide receiver, who you might have seen in some of the big games this year. 59th pick overall in the draft by the Colts. Um, I actually saw this guy play on TV a couple of times. Pretty impressive. Uh, given Luck another weapon is, you know, not something to sneeze at
1: never it's an explosive offense as is so then you put someone else that runs a four three one forty and is like a running back after the catch in terms of his elusiveness and speed so this guy gets into space he's incredibly dangerous and this offense is all about creating space Frank Reich is a master at generating yards after the catch opportunities we saw T.Y. Hilton explode in the scheme last year we thought I don't know it's, he's got speed he can go deep but that's not the Reich calling card and Reich still knew exactly how to maximize that speed on slants and getting these guys going and there's no one speedier and better after the catch than Paris Campbell in this draft. So an incredibly explosive guy that's uh, almost like a running back in that sense. So they can attack every single quadrant on the field. Now when you got Ebron and and Doyle and then you, you get T.Y. Hilton burning down and then you get four, three, one speed with Campbell who can do it all underneath as well. It's just one of those offenses that is extremely scary. Maybe it moves Andrew Luck up past my guy Baker, who I love. Uh, It's just a beautiful pick uh, in terms of fit, in terms of talent. I love Paris Campbell this year, an amazing penny stock. TJ Hawkinson, tight end 15. I'm not sure where he went overall,
0: but the Lions took him. Uh, he's out of Iowa. He was the actually 8th eight o- overall pick in the draft. So, you mm-hmm. know, I hear the I hear the term next Gronk thrown around a lot. We're going to be hearing that. I mean, it's just like every basketball player that's come up in the last 30 years, oh, is he the next Jordan? And it's like, it's you great. know, we're going to see that thrown around. Next Gronk. Let's let's put on the brakes a little bit, but tell me
1: about this guy. Get me excited about him. It's easy to draw those comparisons because Patricia comes from the Patriots and he they had a dire uh, tight end need. And he goes and gets this guy who's very similar Gronk's size, 6'5". Sure, five. but, but Matt Stafford's throwing uh, to this guy. Exactly. There's no goat here uh, throwing the rock. So, of course, it's going to be a much tougher time becoming a Gronk. But Hawkinson himself, I mean, is complete of a tight end prospect that's come out probably since Gronkowski himself. Uh, incredible in the passing game. A fantastic blocker. Very sure-handed. It comes from that Iowa just Come becoming tight end You since they had Kittle just blow up. And then they have Noah Fant who went to your Broncos. It's yeah. just breeding tight ends there in Iowa. I don't know what the hell they're feeding them. But Cord. this guy's a... a Tons and tons of corn. Yeah, exactly, right? That Iowa cord. Something something weird's in there. Um, but he's not just, I mean, he looks unexciting. He's just this big, like, you know, 6'5 white dude, but he actually comes with 88th spark percentile athleticism, running just a, a great 40, a great cone drill, 37 and a an half inch vertical. So this guy is just a monster in terms of athleticism. And like I said, a great blocker because he can get in there and, and uplift uh, defenses, uh, defenders. But then he also has those. Travis Kelsey type of moves in the receiving game. So very complete guy. Rookie tight end is often a steep learning curve, which is why he's all the way down here at 10 on the list and he's only my tight end 15 for the season right now because it's very rare we see a rookie tight end actually translate like this. But if anyone's going to do it, uh, this guy's in a location where there's no tight end in his way and they're pretty devoid of targets. Yeah, they got Galladay and Marvin Jones, but this guy could eat up 80 to 100 to 120 targets even this year is a red zone monster. There's a lot to like about TJ Hawkins. You don't think that uh, you
0: know Joe Flacco is going to pull out some of that patented magic and get this guy Noah fan, uh, you know, up in the top ten tight ends? Are you kidding me? Flacco? Uh,
1: He he loves dipping and dunking to his tight ends. And Fant is incredible. He's even more athletic after the catch than Hawkinson. So I I like Fant a lot, too. I think both of those boys, that's a question I have for Sycamore for tomorrow night, is they both landed in these two spots. Who's going to be the more productive one? I lean Hawkinson just as the more... Complete guy. Sure. But Fant is in a, a great spot himself, too. So both of those tight ends could make day one rookie impacts. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to lean Hawkinson personally.
0: All right. So look, we just finished the top 10. Uh, we don't have much time left. Um, I would like to, just real quick, rapid fire these next three guys. Uh, you actually Yeah, did, and, these, did, and
1: these ones are more for poor fits. That's why right. I, oh, that, I want I to be the top ten. I know. Okay. That's, yeah, that's okay. what I'm
0: saying. I want to rapid fire yeah. these next three guys because something that you did I thought that was really cool is three guys that, you know, if you're talking about, like, talent, I mean, these guys might be up. With with this top 10, maybe even higher than some of them, but just landed in just like really bad places that don't mm-hmm. suit their skill set so well, and we think there's at least a risk of them being swallowed up a little bit. We'll see what happens. So just real quick, rapid fire, let me hit you with some of these. Uh, Marquise yep. Brown landing in fantasy hell with the run-obsessed Ravens. Go ahead.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah this is the first receiver taken in this class probably the number one ranked in most boards just extreme athlete, so fast and shifty and dangerous at Oklahoma these last couple years Uh, and then he goes to the Ravens which is just disgusting they ran the ball in over 66% of their uh, plays once Lamar Jackson took over we saw what happened John Brown was right there in your top 20 or so receivers when Flacco was in there and he was able to catch bombs from a guy that could actually throw the ball he became Came, I, I think it was like the wide receiver, hundred something. Once Lamar Jackson took over, so as much as I love the talent of Hollywood Brown, the quarterback fit is horrendous. The overall offense is going to be as run heavy as they come. So yeah, he'll have a couple of big weeks in a, you know here and there. But outside of best ball, where you can actually pre- you know you don't have to actually predict those and get them right, I don't see this guy making a consistent enough impact to actually be in fantasy lineups this right. year. Which is too bad. If he goes to the if he if he was with the Colts instead of Paris Campbell, for example, this guy. I would be like number one on this list so it's just unfortunate that the landing spot for sure luck of the draw titans selected yes. Ole
0: miss wide receiver a.j brown with the 51st overall Ugh. pick yeah ah t- oh, geez it's
1: titans you yeah, know don't even say. really
0: need to elaborate i mean this is just like right, god exactly. they're, they're they're a bad fit for everybody
1: they're just a bad fit for any receiver anybody other than Derrick henry getting force-fed carries which is hopefully which the they case might this not year. even do and, let's and they it. might not even do he i might know get, like, i six can't carries a game right. you don't know Exactly. So who knows? Maybe the Titans suddenly roll out this crazy offense under Arthur Smith, but he's an old tight end coach that's already talked about wanting an ugly offense that grinds it out. That's not where I want oh, A.J. Brown, who's very silky oh, smooth, geez. great route runner. This is not the place for him to actually have an impact. And they have they have Adam Humphreys, another slot guy that is, you know, what are they doing? What type of offense are they going for here with these guys? Sucks. I, I wish he well, was you anywhere said else. It, an Titans.
0: ugly grind at, at offense. I mean, they come out and say, I mean, that they are looking to duplicate offenses that were successful, what, 40 years ago in the NFL? Right, exactly. That's that's great. That's very forward-thinking, very progressive. All right, Packers selected Texas A&M tight end Jake Sternberger with the 75th overall pick in the draft. Packers, you know, it's one of those—the Packers are an interesting team because— They get these good tight ends from time to time, and we always, or not us necessarily, maybe we're like a little ahead of the curve on this, but your average football fan is always just like, oh my gosh, Packers Mm -hmm. got Jimmy Graham. Oh my gosh, Packers got Martellus Bennett, or I mean, whatever. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's It's probably not going to amount to much. It's not going to happen. You know, Aaron Rodgers is great. Packers offense can be great. Uh, They don't have a great tradition of
1: hitting the tight end, even when they have a talented tight end no they, it seems year in and year out they had that guy Jermichael Finley like 10 years ago he had one good season and, and ever since everyone's been chasing that they had well, Bubba they were Franks six, about
0: 15 years ago he had a good yeah, year yeah
1: exactly and a whole different <laughs> offense you know it's one of those things where Sternberg is not like this it's not so much of like AJ Brown and, and Hollywood Brown where it's a devastating move but this was one of those athletic tight ends let's say he lands at the Patriots or one of these teams that really needed one could be a day one impact rookie he goes to a place where Jimmy Graham's already there where they they historically don't use tight ends where Aaron Rodgers will probably freeze him out, make him cry and ruin his NFL career because Aaron Rodgers is a complete cock. So ultimately, I don't like this fit at all. Um And it's too bad for a guy that is a athletic move all over the place style tight end. Just a, an awful fit for him.
0: All right. Uh right. We're going to wrap things up there. That was nice. Uh, we also have some sleepers we're going to get into. We're going to hit those on the next pod. I think that'd be a, yeah, a, a nice... Yeah. A nice uh, thing to end on when we got a few minutes uh, to kill because there are a couple sleepers. I mean, for a lot of people, all these guys are sleepers because they just don't Mm -hmm. pay as much attention to college. But the wolf, of course, has done a little bit of extra work on that. So it's fun, man.
1: Fun getting back on the horse. Hell yeah, I missed it man, it was good talking to you good catching up, I, and I love I don't always do a ton of rookie research until right after the draft right. and these last two days, it's literally been the only thing I've been staring at and reading, because I want to know their fits, other than Game of Thrones of course oh my god, Um. but but yeah, it's it's been great just knowing once that, again, right when we last recorded, it was the free agency, and you have that football in the air again, and you just I, I feel alive again, it's nice I, I otherwise I'm a useless human being, so it's nice when I have a purpose in Life and people can actually talk to me because fantasy is relevant again. Hey,
0: by the way, uh, since you know, just since we're about to leave now, I'm just gonna make another Game of Thrones comment on the way up. Yeah, Could you I'll believe in that whole like you know, when they're by the tree and game in uh, Winterfell, I Weirwood or whatever I can never remember like what it's called? Yeah,
1: yeah, the I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, there, yeah, there's a place where I'm from on the eastern shore of Virginia called Weirwood, spelled exactly the same way. So, really? yeah, so huh. anyway, um. Could you believe what a tough hang Brand was being?
1: <laughs> Useless. Like, what? <laughs> Theon's the sitting there What's talking
0: friend? to him, and he's just like, uh, uh, yeah. and "You're just like, you're dude. a good man,
1: Theon Gray. Yeah, Sweet. you're a good Thanks, man. dude." It's like, that's fantastic. do you not have the power to stop this shit? Like, what are you doing? You, th- what did Brand do for forty fucking minutes of that episode? Flew he flew a few ravens he, out he and didn't out, do anything. He rolled like, his what?
0: eyes back, and you're like, "Oh, here we go. He's here gonna, we go, He's going to warn into a dragon, and it's like, no, but but he's got like you know anywhere from I don't know twelve to 15
1: crows that, yeah. that are flying around <laughs> just
0: kind of fluttering through oh
1: that'll do it yeah that'll stop everything oh god yeah. just so useless i there's was waiting this, for the big brand moment the
0: entire time there's this Nothing. really funny family guy scene which maybe you've seen where like this woman's being like a, somebody one of the you know how they do cutaway gags on family guy and one of the guys sure said course. like uh said like oh man you're as useless as aquaman and, like, they show, like, this guy just attacking this woman on a beach, and he just throws her down, and Aquaman pops up in the water, and he's like, hey, you better stop that. And the guy's like, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I don't know, but uh, if you don't cut it out, there's, like, seven <laughs> or eight fish that are going to be here. Like, any man, there, there's just these little fish, like, probably, like, you know, like 600 mitos. yards away, right, <laughs> like, just, like, splashing around. That's kind of how the, the move that I felt, like, Brand pulled there. What a tough Freak hang.
1: Comparison. Also, Yo, I, I just
0: want to say, also, the battle plan... For the north, terrible.
1: Yes.
0: Just go, awful. Darth
1: Rocky. Go die. <laughs> yeah, hey, go.
0: Hey, go charge into nothingness where you yeah, literally you can't, can't see. see your enemy. <laughs> um, and we're gonna send you all. By the way, yeah, we're gonna exactly. send every one of you. Like, just go. What what we want to do is completely separate you from the rest of the force even though you're probably like our best fighters and we're just going to send you <laughs> into the distance to attack a completely unknown uh, enemy even though you have the support of winterfell right behind you here and you <laughs> the entire dothraki exterminated in like 15 seconds probably uh, uh, i mean who God. who made that call i don't know it was awful awful call that's Didn't like worse it. than pete carroll's call in the super bowl
1: like a lot worse yeah, seriously, right? That is that's one of calls the worst calls I've ever. seen. Also,
0: I felt like the dragons totally underutilized. I, yeah, exactly.
1: Right, they like, should have, have been lighting like, that place up, up, up all yeah. the
0: time. Like they should have. Right. That
1: was anyway, nonstop stream. You're, you're yeah. gonna get me fired yeah, up. Yeah, there's uh, we, there's, a, there's a lot about that. I mean, like is the night king just done. Like we've been watching yeah, this build for. Yeah, for seven seasons now and then that's it. Like there's no real like story development after the fact or like I, I thought there was gonna be some like relation of the Starks and there would be some sort of no, like no, there's a just, reason he's
0: just some, just some guy
1: causing havoc for no reason other than to cause havoc because he was pissed at the children of the forest. Great story, sure. great storyline, right. great ending, meaningless. And like, yeah, it was badass that Arya got it. Like, if, if you're listening now and you haven't seen it, like I apologize already. We just well, spoiled yeah, everything. Have, well, I mean,
0: this probably won't be put up till tomorrow. And if you
1: haven't seen right. Game of Thrones until tomorrow, like then you don't. You probably it. aren't doing it anyways, right? right. So. But like yeah, it was cool. She got it, but that just seemed kind of meaningless in itself too. Like she hasn't been connected to this guy. It, it was just, yeah. The, what you brought was my main question. It's was like, what the fuck's the point of Bran? Like if there's one thing he he's was just supposed a tough to, do, hang. to stop the Night King. He just sits there and stares at people and rolls his eyes in the back of the heads, and a couple crows fly out, and that's fucking it. Like and that's like, literally the only thing he did for forty
0: minutes. He's like, hold on a second. I'm gonna turn the tide of this battle. Right. I think there's like eleven or twelve crows in one of those trees about a quarter mile away. Well, they're gonna add some confusion to the battlefield.
1: Yes. Look at yes. that. We're smoking mirrors,
0: baby. Smoking mirrors.
1: Oh, so bad.
0: So oh, yeah, was I, I was bad. a
1: little disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. For all the hype that episode had, like yeah, it was fun and entertaining. It was great. But,
0: but the thing that bothered me the most, I mean, there's a lot of things. Like the the Dothraki charge still just infuriates me when it happened even before like they did it i said to my wife i was like you're literally sending these guys into like this cavernous abyss where you can't see them or support them like they're all gonna die exactly and they did yeah i mean i don't know the thing that bothered me the most was how dark it was honestly
1: I, I hated it. I could not stand it. I, I honestly, I had a few edibles before it started, and I was like, "Did I? Am I tripping out? Like, what the hell's wrong with me? Like, is is this it?" And, and I was watching with my girlfriend. She's like, "No, I can't see anything either." So I was like, "All right, at least it's not me." Because I thought I was having some sort of horrible trip or something, but no, it was just. Yeah, that was awful. I I hated the darkness. I hated Brand's uselessness. I didn't like the story development of. I, there's, and I will say, I, I don't want to be so negative. There's some awesome shots where it's like a bunch of people are near death, and you get to see all your favorite characters like clawing through people and like. I thought the dragon fighting was, even though they were underutilized. It was I thought cool, was but I couldn't tell which against, one
0: was. I couldn't tell which was which when they were fighting you, a lot of the time, that's true, which yeah, was I tough. Mean, I mean, yeah. there was a bunch. I don't know.
1: Does it even rank in your top ten episodes of all time?
0: I'd have to see a list. Uh, it would if it if it made the top ten. It would be like near the bottom of the top ten. Exactly. It's probably and that's disappointing. It's, it's right? probably like, in like the. I'm just guessing. I'd have to see a list. I'll bet it's like in like the nine to thirteen range
1: yeah exactly like it's it was a good entertaining episode but for when all this hype about the longest ever filmed battle sequence and all this stuff you're expecting probably the best episode you've ever seen it wasn't it just, the best episode it I've just ever wasn't seen. that good no no wasn't
0: no. yeah right. and of course for all of you that t- tuned in for football
1: uh <laughs> you got most of it we yeah. gave some yeah good and, and i mean we're
0: passionate about football you can tell which of these things we could actually argue about for two hours though Right. <laughs> Seriously.
1: Oh, All right. God. We're going to
0: wrap things up there. Uh, you got any social media you want to plug?
1: Yeah, of course. This is the Fantasy Fullback Dive, as we alluded to. We have a ton of great interviews coming, a ton of more standalone episodes where we're getting more creative, tons of great stuff coming. So if you liked what you heard, we'd love a subscribe. We'd love you to keep coming back for these lead blocks. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you, too, if you like what you heard. Our review means the world to us. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me at Roto Street Wolf. On Twitter, Roto Street Journal. On Instagram and Facebook, rotostreetjournal.com is the homepage. Roto ST Journal on Twitter is where you can find all of us on all those socials. I wonder how many people, when I rifle those off, like have actually written it down and be like, oh, yeah, I got to go find it. Maybe we've gotten like five or six, but it's like I feel like I go through that list every time and it's like, oh, let's hit pause and then this one. But if you're still listening, we love you. Thanks for tuning in that entire yeah, time. Thank
0: you to you five or six. The rest of y'all screw you.
1: Anyway,
0: <laughs> uh, that's going to do I- it. My name's Andrew Jones. Yeah, and he's yeah, the yeah.
1: Wolf. And we're a little rusty on our ending here. It's we're rusty, too but it was
0: pretty good. I give us a solid. It was a beat. good episode. You give for us sure, a It was at Absolutely. least as good as the Game of Thrones episode last
1: night. Uh, oh yeah, better than that for sure. And, I, and I'm the wolf. Yeah, Best we'll see
0: you next life. time. Later.
1: Next time, guys. See ya We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the
0: applause. Oh, Oh. oh, oh and wave out to the crowd and take our final bow oh it's our time to go but at least we stole the show 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 at least we stole the show, stole the show. straight ahead Dettler second effort. Third effort. touchdown fashion football right there folks